back uh, five chapters earlier to John chapter 4, and then we're going to be in Acts chapter 9 also. We're just going to kind of briefly look at those. Daniel, good to see you, buddy. I walked up here this morning and uh, was pleasantly surprised by a big giant pack of Skittles. I don't know who they are from, but whoever they're from, thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Fantastic. Isn't it great, though, to be able to just be able to come together and to worship, uh, singing songs about who God is and how awesome God is and how powerful he is and Man, just, it's, it's just a great thing. So it's, it's, I, love, I love being able to come together with you guys and to worship together. It's, it's a great thing. Let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for the time of worship we've had to, to be able to sing, our, sing songs and lift our voices to you. Father, as we sang, you are all we need and you are the hope of the world, and Father, we, uh, you are just, uh, we owe everything to you, we, our whole life, for what you've done for us on the cross, our sin and death, and you have given us hope, and we thank you for that. Father, we just pray now as we come to your word, and as we continue to worship you through your word, that your spirit will just continue to move throughout this place. God, open our minds and our hearts. May we be uh, receptive to what you have to say to us, and uh, may we just be convicted. May we see Jesus for who he is and ourselves for who we are, and may we see our need for him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, all right. Well, we're turning the corner on our summer series entitled I Heart My Community. Have you guys enjoyed that series so far? Yes? You liked it? You guys like the shirts we made up? How many of you guys got a shirt? If you don't have a shirt, man, you need to get a shirt. <laughs> we can take orders if we're out of the size, but uh, I tell you, man, you guys have done a great job with that. But basically what we've tried to do in this series is show, show you, show us, show everybody uh, really the heart of God. That, that, that God's heart is that, that, that people matter to God. And if all people matter to God, then that means for those of us who have been rescued and redeemed and transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit, all people need to matter to us as well. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what uh, their past is, what their present is. It doesn't matter where they've come from. It doesn't matter their socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter their ethnicity. It doesn't matter if they're doubters, skeptics, or seekers. Uh, Anybody who walks through the front doors of our church, they need to come in and feel welcomed and loved with the desire that they find hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we really see the heart of God in, in John chapter 3, verse 16. And it's such a powerful verse because it says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Well, that's a powerful verse because the Bible tells us that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of God's glory. That because of our sinful nature, man, we, are, uh, we rebel against God. That we don't seek after God. We do not pursue after God. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that God takes the initiative. God took the initiative and he so loved the world. He so loved you and I that he sent his son Jesus. See, God did not turn his back on creation. God did not turn his back on the people he created. See, God created us with a free will. We could choose to love him or not. 
God took that chance and, and we chose to turn our back and we chose to, to sin and rebel and God pursues after us through Jesus Christ through redemption. That's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the message. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's the message that, that we've been given to share with others. And so the question we've asked is, is how do we do that? So, so what's next? What, what, what do we do with this new identity that we've been given in Christ? What do we do with this great news of salvation that is for the whole world? How do we engage our friends? How do we engage our family? How do we engage our community? Because if you think about it, this task that we've been given can seem kind of daunting. It can seem a bit overwhelming, a bit scary. Because we have questions. Well, what do I say? What, what do we do? What do we, what, do we, what do we do if we mess up? What do we do if I say something that's, that's, that's silly? You know, what, what do we do when we see a person's life who is messed up? Their life is a wreck inside and outside, and they're just messed up with sin. Or what do we do when we see a community, a society, that has social problems? Do we just ignore it and hope it goes away? Do we just kind of turn our back and, and not pay attention and just hope that, hope that it goes away? No. No, the, the gospel that, that saves us and is transforming us is the same gospel that compels us to enter in and engage a person or a community that we see is struggling or having issues, right? That, that, that's, that's what we're to do. That's, which means we can oftentimes, and here's the, see, the danger for Christians is this. And here, here, here's the problem. The danger for Christians is that we can oftentimes forget the gospel of grace. We sang about it this morning. See, the, the danger is, is we can oftentimes be uh, encouraged to stay within the confines of our little circles, right, of our little church. We're protected. We're insulated in here. And we, we can oftentimes just stay confined to this little, little area, content to be in relationships and situations where we don't have to really be engaged with unbelievers, are non-believers. We have to really deal with those things. But if we continually remember that we are saved by sheer grace, and see, that's the beautiful thing, man. When you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you recognize that you're a sinner. But, but each day that you grow and that you're being transformed, you, you continue to recognize, you grow in that knowledge, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched sinner. And your grace it just continues to grow and grow, and your appreciation for what God has done for you through Jesus Christ grows, and your love for God grows. You see what I'm saying? Like, when you first come to that knowledge that I'm a sinner, like, you recognize that, and you see your need for Jesus, but then that just continues to grow. Like, that never stops. Like, every single day, man, you're aware, and you're growing in that knowledge. And so, so we have to remember every single day, guys, that we are saved by sheer grace. We have to remember that God so loved the world that he sent, that God entered into our mess. Didn't he? God saw that we were messed up, and he didn't turn his back, but he entered in. And that is what will continually compel us to engage and enter into our community, to our society, to engage our neighbors and our friends and our family. Do you see that? That's a beautiful thing right there. And so the last two weeks, we've looked at what Jesus has said about our relationships as Christians to the world. He said we're to be salt and light. In other words, if you are at all living a consistent Christian life in the world, you will be salt and you will be light. 
as salt, we stop the moral decay in our community, and as light, we are pushing back the darkness. In other words, Jesus is saying you will have influence in this world. You will be salt and you will be light. And once we begin to have influence in the lives of the people around us, in the community that we live, it will open up opportunities for us then to be able to share the good news of the gospel. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at evangelism. How many of you guys know what evangelism is? Everybody? All right, well, I'm going to define it for you if you don't. Evangelism simply means sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, sharing this message of hope with those around us. Now, I know that for some of you, man, you, you get gripped with fear when you think about that, right? You're thinking, oh, my goodness, evangelism. I've got to share my faith. I've got to talk. I've got to say something, right? That's why we say, what if we have questions? What if I say something stupid? What if I say something silly? But do you see how each week we've kind of been building on the other? See, we had to start with salt and light because if our lives aren't matching up with the gospel we proclaim, then evangelism is going to die pretty quickly, right? If our lives are no different from the rest of the world, then nobody's going to ask us, hey, why are you different? Why do you do this? Why do you work as if you're, you know, given everything you have when everybody else is taking longer breaks, you're taking 15-minute breaks, you know? People ask, why do you do that? See, if our lives don't match up with the gospel we proclaim, then evangelism dies. So we need to open our eyes and realize that there are people around us who are desperately looking for hope. There are people around us, man, who are searching for hope. And the problem is, man, they're searching for it in the wrong places. They are trying to find their hope. They're trying to find their identity in their work or in their activities or in their families or, or whatever. And the problem is they're looking in the wrong places because... Jesus Christ is the one who gives us hope. He is the one who gives us our identity. He is the one who validates us and accepts us, right? And people need to hear that message because in Jesus we find all those things. And so Jesus has given us the mission of spreading, evangelizing our friends and family and community in the world. Listen, this is the primary mission of the church. It's the primary mission of the church is to reach people with the gospel. It's the very first part of our, our purpose statement is to make much of Jesus and what? This is where you guys interact with me, all right? It's to make much of Jesus, and then what? Reach people with the God. You can, you can look at your program. It's all right. It's all right to have a cheat sheet there. This isn't school where I'm going to be like, don't look at your cheat sheet. Don't look at your uh, notes, all right? So to reach people with the gospel. That's what the MOVE campaign, you guys remember the MOVE campaign we did back in the, the spring? Well, where we were, were raising money to, to lower the debt reduction, debt, reduce debt of our building, so that way it would free up money, so we'd be able to go out and do more things in the community and to share the gospel and to reach people with the gospel. See, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, he informs his disciples and he says this, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a, that's a great sentence right there, all authority. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then here's the key phrase, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Which means, listen, this is good news, evangelism isn't a solo sport. Jesus is with us. It's a partnership. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, Jesus is addressing his followers and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That word witnesses means to testify. You will testify about me. You will tell other people about me. 
And so the great news is, man, is that when you surrender your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the one who empowers you. And our confidence is not in ourself and not our, and not our ability to be able to, 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 to share the gospel with eloquent, wor- eloquent words, but our confidence is in the Holy Spirit. It's in the gospel that we proclaim to share the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen? But unfortunately, like I said, man, evangelism, it gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap. And I can see why, because over the years, man, it has really, uh, really kind of taken uh, different many forms. So, so when I say the word evangelism, I want you to think for a second, what images does that evoke in your mind? When I say the word evangelism, what images? For, you, for those of you who maybe grew up in the church, you know, what, what kind of images do you think of when you think of evangelism? Do you think of a TV evangelist that's pounding on the podium with, with one hand and holding his Bible in the other and he's shouting out to the congregation, turn or burn? You guys do that? I, did I ever tell you guys about my home church that had uh, Ray Bennett? You guys know Ray Bennett? Some of you guys in the back maybe know Ray Bennett? Ever heard of Ray Bennett? Maybe you haven't, okay. Ray Bennett is, a, is like one of those traveling evangelists. He came to our church one time, and he was one of those, like, man, just get loud preachers. And I have no, no issues with get loud preachers. Uh, I like them. But he got so, I mean, he was banging the, we had a wooden pulpit. He was banging that thing, and he banged it so hard one time it cracked. It cracked, yeah. I was like, man, he really pounded on the thing. Do you think, listen, do you think about evangelism as, as kind of going door to door and kind of cold knocking on some stranger's door? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, that's what we used to do, you know, back in the day. Is we would go door to door. And you think about that for a second. How crazy is that? You knock on somebody's door and you say, you, they open the door and say, hey, if you were to die today. Like, well, how crazy is that? You've got a stranger on your front porch knocking on somebody's door and they open the door up and you say, hey, if you were to die today, how threatening does that sound? Like, if I were to kill you today, would you go to heaven? You know what I mean? Like, how crazy is that we have a sign on our front door. I don't know, Robin must have ordered it on Amazon or something, but it says no, no soliciting. And then it re- it, the way it reads is it says, uh, we love our vacuum, we found God, and we gave it the office. <laughs> and so it's always great, man, when people come up to our door and they'll, they'll knock on it, we answer, and they always say, I love your sign. It's a great conversation starter. But then they say, I'm not here to sell you anything, but... <laughs> and then they'll start trying to sell us something. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Or do we think of the stereotypical street preacher with a megaphone in hand, blaring out just all these different words and indictments about how the world is coming to an end, and you, know, you better come, just all these different things, right? We, we think of all these things. But listen, I want to put your fears to rest this morning, okay? Because when we talk about evangelism this morning, I'm not talking about you standing on the street corner. I'm not asking you to go knocking on your neighbor's door who you haven't met yet and asking him, hey, if I were to kill you today, would you go to heaven? I'm not asking you to do that. But rather, I'm asking us to just be aware, to be attentive to the situations and circumstances around us and where God might be working in somebody's life. On the job site, the water cooler, in the barbershop, in the grocery store. Just be attentive, be aware. Constantly be asking questions, you know, is God working in this situation? And, and, and think about it. When, when having those conversations, man, just, just always be aware and attentive to those conversations. John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, listen to what I'm telling you. He says, open up your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ready for harvest. And what Jesus is saying there is, listen, man, the, the, the harvest is ripe, man. It's ready. 
Be aware, be attentive. And the Holy Spirit drawing people to, to God. See, God created us each with, with a unique combination of personality and temperament, talents and backgrounds. We all are different, diverse, right? That's what's awesome about the church is that we can all come together under one roof and we can worship one God with all of our diversity. And we can get along, hopefully. We should, right? And so God created us with all these different talents and different gifts. And the Apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about how the Holy Spirit gives each Christian a spiritual gift. And when these gifts are combined with your natural ability, your natural talents that God has given us, man, he shapes us for how we share the good news. In other words, there's not a one-size-fits-all to evangelism. See, the good news for us is that evangelism can take many forms. What works with one person might not work for another. You might be a person who naturally, through conversation, can share the gospel with your neighbor. That's a, that's a great thing. Or you might be someone who shares the gospel in other ways. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to take a look at a few examples from Scripture, how God used people and their gifts to evangelize. And I hope this morning, man, that you leave here and that you're encouraged. That you can go out and you can do this. Right? That's what we want. That you can go out there and you can do this. And so just be thinking as we walk through these things, uh, for you guys who, who like three points, man, here's your three-point sermons, you note-takers. All right? So here you go. So the first one, are you ready? I'm going to give them to you. The first one is what I think most everybody, listen, everybody can do this. This, one I think, is, is all-inclusive. The first one is uh, John chapter 9, and we'll call it the testimonial approach. The testimonial approach, right? So the testimonial approach is, is just simply sharing with people what God has done in your life. Listen, everybody here, man, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, everybody here has a testimony. Everybody here has a testimony. Right? Uh, it doesn't matter, man, regardless of your past, if you were steeped in witchcraft and drugs or, or whatever, whatever your life was, or if you grew up in church all your life, you have a testimony. So I want us to look briefly at a story from John chapter 9. I love this story, and it's a story where Jesus heals a man who was born blind. The story opens up, and and the story opens up there in the first few verses. It says, as Jesus passes by, he notices a blind man from birth. Blind man from birth, which means this blind man would have sat regularly in the same spot for all these different years begging because he had no other means of income. He couldn't work. He was blind. And so he had just been sitting there his whole life, begging in one spot, asking for money. But his routine quickly changed when Jesus came along and he gave him the gift of sight. I love this, man, because no sooner than when he was able to see than he was just thrust in front of a bunch of people, man. The religious leaders were coming at him. People were coming at him from all directions, man. They were like, listen, what happened, man? I was like, who did this and, and, and what happened? And I love his response because all throughout the chapter, man, he has the same response. You guys know what it is? He says, man, all I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. That's his testimony, right? That's his testimony. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. I mean, there was no arguing the change that took place in this man's life, right? I mean, he was blind, and now he sees. At one point, I love it, man, the religious leaders actually called the man's parents. They say, hey, we want to call your parents then. And his parents testify, and they say, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind, but he's of age, man. You ask him how he can see, because we do not know. 
But I want you to notice in verse 3, man, that's the key verse. Jesus says that this man had been born blind so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Listen, God had been preparing this man all of his life for these events and his telling them in a way that would point people to Christ. God had been preparing him for this moment. To be able to go out and share, man, I, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. And what I want you to know this morning is that there are a lot of people who live and work around you who need to hear a similar testimony about how God is working in your life. Remember, we, we talked the last two weeks about living countercultural. And, and if we are living a consistent Christian life, then people are going to take notice. They're going to ask questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why, why are you, you're going to have a chance to be able to share about what God is doing in your life. But I think the problem for a lot of Christians is we don't think we have a testimony that's worthy. We think unless God has saved us from a life of hell-raising and debauchery and, and, and wild living, then our testimony is just too, too bland for people. And listen, hearing those types of testimonies is awesome. I mean, Barry Miller has a testimony that's unbelievable, and I can't wait for him to share it. Right, Barry? You're going to share it with us someday. I mean, he's got an unbelievable testimony about how God has rescued him, and it's, it's a great story, and you'll be like, man, this is cool. But listen, I want to encourage you today because majority of us in this room don't have a testimony like Barry. Most of us have a, a, a garden variety testimony, right? Maybe you went to church all your life and you were religious before you realized that those things didn't make you a Christian. Maybe that's your testimony. I grew up in church all my life, man. I was just kind of playing church. I was just kind of playing religion before God captured my heart and I realized that it's a relationship with Jesus. And it's just changed me. It's changed my life. Maybe that's your story. And I'm going to tell you something. That story right there is more relevant to most of your friends than the story of someone coming out of a, a life of hell-raising, debauchery, wild living. Because they can relate to that story. Your everyday story will relate to their everyday life and show them that they too need the grace of God that you found. I remember when God had begun to capture my heart. See, I, was, I grew up in church. That's my testimony. I grew up in church. I was raised in church. And I kind of walked away from it for a little while. And I remember when God really began to capture my heart and kind of bring me back, and he was wooing me back. He was pursuing after me. And I can remember, man, those first several months, man, as, I was, I was, I was, as, as he was working in my life, and I, I began to, to, to shift focus, and I began to change my values, and I began to see things differently. I had friends calling me up and say, Hoback, man, where are you at? How come you didn't come to this party this weekend? How come you aren't doing this? How come you're... And it gave me the opportunity to share my testimony. Listen, man, I... I God's doing something, you know, I don't, and that's all I knew, like, the, the testimony approach was all I had, like, they noticed something was different because I wasn't hanging out, you know, I wasn't doing the things that I was doing, and they were like, dude, something's different, what's going on, I'm like, I don't know, man, Jesus is doing something, he's changing my life, he's changing my values, he's changing the way I do things, and, and it's no longer those the things that are important, so it gave me an opportunity to share what God was doing in my heart, listen, I would encourage you this morning, if you have not written your testimony down, write it down on paper. If you think to yourself, man, I don't have a testimony, come up and talk to me after church and we'll work, your, we'll work on your testimony. You've got one, all right? And just write it down and memorize it and then maybe it's, it's, it's how God is going to use you to share the gospel with somebody in your life, all right? All right, so the second approach, that's the first approach, testimonial approach. The second approach is, I love this story too, the second approach is the Samaritan, you guys good this morning? You guys all right? All right, the second approach is the Samaritan woman's invitation approach. 
Now that's in John chapter 4. So if you jump back just five chapters there, you'll see it. Um, and I love this, man. I love this story. A, a great example of Jesus again. It says, Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria. Now listen, I got to insert here something. I got to insert something here because listen, for, for Jesus in that day, Jews passing through Samaria would have been a no-no. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They hated each other. And so if you were a Jew and you were traveling and your travels took you through Samaria, guess what? You would have rerouted your trip. You would have gone extra distance just to avoid Samaria. But they stopped in Samaria for some water at a well. As Jesus is sitting there, a woman shows up about midday. Now this Samaritan woman, listen, she had three things that were going against her. She was a Samaritan, she was a woman, and she was living an immoral lifestyle. And back then, man, any one of these things would have been enough to disqualify her from being taken seriously by society. But do you think that stopped Jesus? No. Because Jesus does what? Jesus enters in, doesn't he? Jesus enters into our mess. And so Jesus enters into this woman's mess because he's about redeeming our messed up lives for his glory. And it did not take long for this woman to realize that this man was no ordinary prophet or teacher. Because he was saying things about her life that nobody would have known. And she was just astounded. She was amazed. And so what did she do? She immediately went to her town and she brought a bunch of people to the well for themselves so they could hear from themselves. And this simple invitation resulted in Jesus staying in their town two more days. And many of the woman's friends declared in verse 42, it says, Now we have heard it for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So the invitation approached, man worked. Jesus invited her friends, come and see this man who has told me everything about myself. And so the point is, is that sometimes people just need an invitation. As a matter of fact, a recent poll showed that about 25% of adults, that's one out of four, in the United States would go to church if a friend would just invite them. And the great thing is, it doesn't have to be a church service. Right, we got to think outside the box, right? It could be a tailgate party, Right? By the way, you guys absolutely crushed that last week. When I say crushed, I mean good, right? That's, that's a good thing. Right? You guys, I mean, it's awesome, man. You guys invited, it was awesome. It was great to see, man. If you missed last Sunday night, don't worry. We're going to probably do it again in the fall. It was absolutely awesome. But think about, think about inviting, inviting somebody to a Christian concert or to a Christian movie or to some type of program. See, the point is that you are exposing them to Jesus and you are planting the seed and the rest is up to God. I remember, I'll never forget, a little over a year ago, I was uh, standing in line at uh, K. Rogers, which is Kroger. And uh, I call it K. Rogers, uh, Kroger. And we were renting a Redbox. I was renting a Redbox movie, and there was a, a young, early 20-something girl in, in front of me. And, and uh, I can't remember how we began conversing with each other. Probably something on a shirt that, that I struck up a conversation with or something. But we were talking as we were waiting in line together for a Redbox movie. And it was great, man, because after a period of talking, she just came out and she just said, you know, I could tell she was a little bit nervous as she began this part of the conversation, but she said, you know, our pastor has challenged us to start inviting people to church, and I would like to know, would you be interested in coming to church? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? And I smiled at her and I said, you know, I said, I would love to. I said, but I'm actually a pastor at a church. And uh, she said, oh, okay, cool. And... Uh, but I told her, I said, that's great, man. That's great that your pastor has you guys do that, and, uh, and I encourage you with that. But, but listen, it's just a simple invitation approach, man. Just invite somebody. Just invite somebody. Just come and see. Just come check it out, right? Now, the third approach is found in Acts chapter 9. I love this. 
Uh, it's by a lady named Dorcas. I hate Dorcas. That poor woman has some issues growing up, I'm sure, because don't ever name your kid Dorcas. I Dorcas the dork. Right? I'm sure that's what she heard all the time growing up in, 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 in school. But we'll call her approach the service approach. And listen, this woman was constantly behind the scenes serving her community. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. I hear the pages turning. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 describes Dorcas this way. It's a great description. It says, always doing good and helping the poor. She was well known throughout the community for her loving acts of service, which she performed in the name of Christ. Specifically, what she did is she made robes and articles of clothing for widows and other needy people in her town. And it would have been very hard for people to observe her activity and not get 